All right, Breakheart Podcast back again for another week. We had the Xfinity Trucks and Cup Series, all the NASCAR Series. I should just say all the NASCAR Series. In Bristol this weekend, you had the trucks on Thursday night. Always love that Thursday night race. Um, It went head-to-head with the Chiefs and Chargers NFL game on Prime, the first game on Amazon Prime. I got to come back. Actually, no, I'm going to talk about that real quick. You're like, I'm listening to racing podcasts. I don't want to talk about football. We're not talking about football. We're talking about Amazon Prime and 4K broadcasting for sports. Obviously, all of us watch NASCAR races on cable. It's the only option we have. YouTube TV, Hulu TV, we're all we're just counting that all as cable. So Fox, CBS, NBC, ESPN, all of them, they compress the video. So when you get it, they say it's in 1080. Fox actually, I believe, is 720 still, which is completely ludicrous. But when you see it, it looks bad. It doesn't look very clear because it's being compressed. Amazon Prime does not compress the video file. And if they do, it's very, very small. But it's in HDR 4K. Looks fucking amazing. Even if you don't have a 4K TV and you're just seeing it in 1080, looks phenomenal. So that's that's what need, that's the future of broadcasting. And NASCAR and racing in general, IndyCar, Formula One, NASCAR, they need to hop on board with that. And they need to do it immediately because what we saw on Thursday night on Prime, that's that's the future. It's incredible. It looks amazing. The wide angle lens front zoomed out, which is typically the worst looking camera, phenomenal. You could read the names on the back of jerseys, crystal clear. You could pick out the stitching if you wanted to. I keep saying amazing. It was amazing. We need that for racing. If you can't be at the track, I need the next best thing, which is 4K video of race cars. And I know Fox has done it for the Daytona 500. That's great. Fox also has, what, 18 other races on their portion of the schedule? NBC doesn't do it at all. However, if you watch IndyCar on Peacock, looked great. Always looked great. Uh, That Toronto race, which is really the only, that's actually the only IndyCar race I watched on Peacock this year, looked amazing. Why? because it's not being compressed by cable. Need more of it. So back to the Truck Series race on Thursday night. <laughs> Wish it was in 4K. But yeah, Truck Series on Thursday night. Always love that race. Xfinity on Friday night. Cup on Saturday night. Not a drop of rain in the forecast in eastern Tennessee. Love to see that. It's August. No, it's September. <laughs> I have no idea what month we're in. It's September. It's not raining in this part of the country right now. When I say this part of the country. I'm still like, I'm in Cincinnati. I'm pretty far away still. Five hours, six hours, whatever. Um, overall, solid weekend of racing. We'll get into it because I think I, I think each race had its pluses and its minuses. Each race had things that were good. Th- obviously, had things that were bad. Um, three very different winners across all three series. Obviously, IndyCar's done for the season. Uh, they don't want to compete with the NFL, which after seeing the ratings last week, completely understand why uh, NASCAR's viewership was basically chopped in half from essentially 3 million down to about a million and a half um, during week one of the NFL season. IndyCar's viewership went from ranges between like 1 million to 900,000. That got knocked down to like 505,000 viewers for their championship finale um, in a race where you had multiple people that were in contention for the championship. Uh, hate to see that. Obviously putting it at three o'clock in the afternoon on NFL Sunday and going against a NASCAR Cup Series playoff race was incredibly stupid. And that's on NBC, who continues to cannibalize their motorsports properties. 
when when it was announced that IndyCar was going to NBC, it was like, cool, that's better than ABC slash ESPN. But at the same time, you knew it was going to go up against NASCAR. When they got rid of NBC Sports Network and they're like, oh, well, things will just be on USA and NBC. Again, you knew they were going to go against each other. I hate I hated hearing the rumors that Formula One was talking to NBC because, again, NBC has the rights to MotoGP in America. You wouldn't know that because they don't put the races on live. I don't even know what time they put the races on. Trying to watch MotoGP in this country is next to impossible. Watching it live, at least. Um, and that's what I feared that they were going to do with Formula One. Uh, because, again, they have Premier League games in the morning. And that's exactly why MotoGP isn't shown live. So, yeah, I think hindsight 2020, you know, I wish I wish uh, IndyCar maybe would have went with, I don't want to say Fox, but like, they will at least have channels they could put it on live um, and maybe not go up against, you know, NASCAR, especially during the latter half of the season, or CBS. Um, that would have been great as well. So, yeah, I, that's frustrating. But we got off on a tangent here about ratings. You know who didn't have a drop in ratings last week? Formula One. You know why? Because they started at 9 a.m. Eastern time every Sunday. Well, not every Sunday, but majority of Sundays. It's 9 a.m. You know what else is on at 9 a.m.? Nothing. We have a long time until we have four hours until NFL kickoff comes on. Nobody wants to sit around and watch the pregame shows because they're awful. I don't know what happened to Terry Bradshaw. He appears to be wearing a fat suit and he needs to be sent off to a retirement home where his three daughters can take care of him. Because that man, uh, yeah, I, it's bad. It's really bad. It's actually worse than Darrell Waltrip. It's worse than, uh, it's not worse than Corso because he has no idea where he is. But it's like Lou Holtz bad. His teeth aren't falling out yet, but like he is starting to not make any sense. I mean, he's just bad to look at. But uh, hey, NASCAR and IndyCar, think about like a 10 a.m. start sometime. On NFL Sundays, you got nothing to compete against. Nobody's watching those pregame shows. There's no other live sports on other than Premier League, which you're still going to outdraw in this country. Give it a go. Maybe. Oh, well, what about Formula One then? Hey, NASCAR seems to not, they're not worried about Formula One. They've said multiple times that they're not that worried about it, which, again, for NASCAR's demographics, which is 80% over the age of 45. You're not that worried about it. So put it on at 10 a.m. and see what happens. Anyways, back to Di Darlington? No, we're at Bristol this week. I don't want to chase Elliot. Back to Bristol. Let's talk the cup race. Chris Busher or Boucher, depending on what kind of speech impediment you have and what part of the country you grew up in, snapped a 266 race winless streak. He won Pocono in 2016 for Front Row Motorsports. Um, at the time, that was their first win. They now have three wins. Um, as a Cup Series team. Uh, so good for them. But Busher gets into victory lane, gets RFK a non-drafting track win for the first time since 2013? No, 20. It's seven years. It's seven years. Was that 2015? Um, I can do math. Great win for those guys. Um, Busher's obviously been knocking on the door multiple times this year. He... Um, Finally gets it done. Brad Keselowski led a lot of this race, actually. Um, led a whole lot of it. 109 laps. Cut a tire down. Comes home 13th. Did not get a caution for his tire getting cut down, which we'll get to. 
Busher led 169 laps most of the race. Then you had uh, Christopher Bell led 143. Kyle Larson led 34. And Eric Almirola led 36. Oh, whoops. Ryan Blaney also led nine laps as well. Uh, six leaders, 12 different lead changes. That's not ideal for Bristol, uh, which actually let's just get into that real quick. The new car took an absolute beating at Bristol this weekend. It's, uh, I don't know why NASCAR necessarily didn't test at Bristol, but the loads on the car clearly, um, took their toll on this gen seven car between Blaney's suspension failure, the number of tires we saw go down because again, they were on Fords. So it could have just been the setup. Actually, it wasn't all just Fords. There was a lot of people that lost tires, power steering failures on multiple cars, engine failures on one car in particular, just a, a bad day overall. Um, bad day to be on a Ford, bad day to be Goodyear as well, which of course is not going to be, it's not going to be, um, Goodyear's fault it's definitely on the teams but it's never Goodyear's fault which is fine never take the blame for something it is just unfortunate to see you know championship hopes get dashed by Goodyear tires once again their contract's up at the end of the year it hasn't actually been renewed yet which obviously you don't have enough time to get a new manufacturer in there so obviously Goodyear and NASCAR are going to get this done but at the same time maybe some competition wouldn't be the worst thing uh, for Goodyear, hold their feet to the fire because it's hasn't been great. Overall, though, uh, I would give this race like a, a C. It, the car didn't race very well, really hard to pass. Chase Elliott pointed out that when everybody has the same equipment and they're basically running the same lap times, it's hard to pass. And that's the problem with the spec series. And that's the problem kind of with what this car is. And it's a spec car. Bodies are different, but everything underneath is the same outside of the engines. Uh, it, it's tough to to maybe r really distance yourself from from everyone else. The other thing too, they're they're going too fast. The these cars are absolutely going too fast through the center of the corner. You're not off throttle enough to really make to make a difference. And without tire wear as well, it's hard to. It's hard to, you know, make up position and make up time and everything like that. I mean, I think we had two on-track passes for the lead uh, that weren't caused by or weren't as a result of an incident, uh, which obviously we saw multiple leaders have incidents while leading. So, yeah, between the tire failures, suspension failures, the engine failures, and the power steering failures, the car left a lot to be desired on Saturday night. Kyle Busch blew an engine for the second time in three weeks. The second time in the last 96 races, which just happens to be in the last three races. Um, these engine failures also come at a time where JGR learned that they were going to lose Kyle Busch at the end of the season uh, as he heads to RCR, which I think was part of their whole grand plan in the long run. Anyways, it is still just interesting on the timing. I don't think that they necessarily did anything to the cars. I will say, though, that Kyle Busch's car did not just blow up on Saturday night. It self-destructed. It grenaded. Kapow. There was nothing left. You had fluid coming out of the exhaust pipes. That's really bad. That is a catastrophic failure of epic proportions. Um, he parked in the infield there, and there was 
water and oil everywhere and that's that's bad so this wasn't just a normal run-of-the-mill like oh we you know dropped a valve or a lifter broke or you know something like that no 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 this thing absolutely grenaded so that's interesting just interesting timing you throw in the 2311 cars going back out on track and coming within four laps of of taking more points away from Kyle and you have to wonder if there is not some sort of love loss at Toyota this is the same manufacturer that said they were disappointed in Kyle's decision to sign with RCR for 2023 which is funny because the ball was basically in their court they could have got this deal done they just refused to get it done at the price that Kyle wanted or really to make any sort of concessions um I still stand by the fact that they want Ty Gibbs in that car and they were going to do anything they could. And when Martin decided to come back, you know, unfortunate for Kyle, that was the next seat that was realistically available since he's on a contract year. Obviously, Martin also, one, has a sponsor that's coming back and two, likely has a lower salary than Kyle Busch does as well. And Kyle warrants, a, warrants a, probably the highest salary in Cup right now. He's two-time champion, 60-time race winner. He deserves to get paid. Um, JGR, of course, deserves to not pay him that, and they deserve to go with the cheaper option as well, which is totally fine. That's their prerogative. But to paint the picture as, you know, this was Kyle wanting to leave and not JGR and TRD, you know, also not, you know, playing fair is a bit unfair in a sense. Again, it, I think I've said it on here before. It reminds me a lot of, of Jeff Burton leaving Roush. They couldn't find a sponsor for him at Roush. Um, but, you know, as soon as he's gone, they have a sponsor for Carl Edwards. And again, Carl Edwards came in way cheaper than Jeff Burton did. Completely understand that. But it's essentially the same thing where Jeff Burton goes to RCR and they miraculously have a sponsor for him there in AT&T. Kyle Busch is going to RCR where they miraculously have sponsors for Kyle Busch. They haven't announced them yet, but they said that they've already signed sponsors and they have great interest in him, which makes total sense. Why would you not want to be on Kyle Busch's car? He wins. He puts himself in front of the camera. The new Kyle Busch, too, super personable. We'll see how long that actually lasts. But Kyle Busch blew an engine, and uh, he's out. He was also eliminated from the playoffs as well. And then you had tire failures for Ryan Blaney, Joe Logano, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, um, Christopher Bell. There, The list goes on and on. I, I don't have enough time to read off everybody that had tire failures at some point on Saturday night. Our steering failures for Bubba Wallace, Ty Gibbs, and Martin Trex Jr., Alex Bowman and Chase Briscoe as well. Martin Trex Jr., uh, when he pulls the car to the infield, they popped the hood and they were showing him what happened. He just flipped off the car and walked away, which is about the feeling I think a lot of us have for the for the Gen 7 car, um, and Martin in particular, just a bad season all around. He clearly just wants the next um, seven weeks to go by as quickly as possible. So, yeah, this car just could not withstand Bristol. Just couldn't do it. Um, obviously, Busher had a okay night. The 300 cars outside of Bowman had pretty solid nights as well. They finished uh, second, third, and fifth. Rosh Chastain quietly finishes in sixth uh, after his teammate, Daniel Suarez, just lost it down the backstretch, took out a lot of people. Um, Dylan... Stenhouse, uh, a few others in that as well. Just 
a bad night overall. Um, uh, 12 cars on the lead lap at the end there. One car, one lap down, which was um, Brad Keselowski after his tire failure, which didn't bring out a caution, which, again, we'll get to in just a second. 20th place, Austin Cindric, who advanced it in the playoffs. Seven laps down in 20th place. What are we even doing here? I love a race of attrition. I don't love when it's when the teams don't have any control over what's happening here. Obviously, you could say the Fords do with some sort of setup. Tyler Reddick also mentioned as well that he doesn't want fast race cars anymore, essentially, because it's the setup and it's not the cars that are actually fast. They're just going to the extreme edge on the setup, and obviously things are, are not going well with that. But seven laps down in 20th is absolutely insane. But, hey, Harrison Burton, I think he brought out three cautions, at least, or was involved in three cautions. One, two. Okay, well, he also cut down somehow. Yeah, whatever. Racing reference for as good as it is, their caution flag breakdown is generally trash. Um, But Harrison Burton definitely spun out at least three times uh, Saturday night. Still came home 16th, three laps down. So that's actually one of his better runs of the uh, – of the week. If you watch the NASCAR docuseries on Thursday night, um, which went head to head with a truck race, you could see that the Wood brothers, even early in the season were, you know, not, I want to say fed up, but they wanted him to get, get his shit together. And, uh, Glenn Wood, not Glenn. Was it Glenn? No, I don't know. There's so many fucking woods. The young, the somewhat youngish one, not John, but the middle, his dad. Um, there were times when he didn't look very pleased about Harrison's performance. So 16th is a good run for those guys. And I wonder if he's kind of just an, a guinea pig for Penske at this point. Not 100% sure, but definitely seems like it could be – he could be trying things. Um, outside of that, yeah, Kyle Busch eliminated, Austin Dillon eliminated, Tyler Reddick eliminated from the playoffs, and – Kevin Harvick also has been eliminated. Harvick finishes 10th. Looked like he might have a shot to win this race early. Uh, Cut a tire down, got back on the lead lap. Does not advance, which is, again, no offense to Austin Sendrick and Chase Briscoe. They have no business advancing. They advance because they somehow survived the attrition better than the other people. Which, again, that's part of racing. But I hate, absolutely hate, the elimination format of the championship. It's incredibly frustrating, but it's dramatic. I'm not here for drama. I'm here for sport. I want to see I want to see the best drivers compete for a championship, and we're not getting the best drivers competing for a championship. We are getting Austin Cindric, Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe competing for a championship, while Kevin Harvick, a two-time race winner this year, Kyle Busch, a race winner this year, Austin Dillon, a race winner, albeit a bulldozed race winner, and Tyler Reddick, another two-time race winner, are sitting on the sidelines while a guy who hasn't been relevant since the Daytona 500, a guy who hasn't been relevant since the third week of the season at Phoenix, Chase Briscoe, and a guy who had one good run this season in Daniel Suarez at Sonoma, get to compete for a championship. It's incredibly frustrating to see this happen year in and year out. Do I think any of those guys that got eliminated could compete for a championship? No. Do I think they could? somebody in that group could have made it to the Elite Eight? Absolutely. 
Do I think Austin Cedric, Daniel Suarez, or Chase Briscoe will make it to the Elite Eight? Not a chance in hell. They just don't have the speed to do it. So it's it's frustrating, but you know it is what it is. Real quick, talking about the oh, I did forget about one thing. We need to talk about the cautions. Let's do that real quick. NASCAR is consistently inconsistent once again. Their head of PR, Mike Ford who got up off his knees for two seconds to tweet out, you know, their justification for their cautions, said that the reason that there wasn't a caution for, for example, the Brad Keselowski tire going down is because Brad had plenty of room behind him uh, to get down, which is vehemently not true. He was three wide on the top, had to wait an entire lap before TJ could clear him to get to the bottom, and then he could finally come to pit road. Should have been a caution. Denny Hamlin touches the wall, caution comes out. Makes no sense. Same with Christopher Bell. Gets a caution. Did Christopher Bell get a caution? Yeah, Christopher Bell. Going slow on the backstretch. Uh, same thing. Caution. Makes no sense. 43 spun. He got high-centered. He was all over the place. I don't know what the fuck that was all about. Um, caution. There was a lot of no calls and a lot of calls where you're just like, why is this happening? 11 cautions for 80 laps. Honestly, thought we were going to get way more cautions uh, than, than that. We had a pretty two pretty long runs there, 66 and a 76 lap green flag run there uh, between 287 and what 436. That's that's pretty solid, but overall not not a great night for NASCAR race control. Once again, I don't think Juson Hamilton is the guy. He just does not seem to have it. A bit Michael Massey in his unpreparedness not sure if that's a word but he doesn't seem to have it all together he seems to be intimidated by the job in the moment most of the time and the committee which apparently is a three-person committee to decide when to throw a caution and when to not throw a caution i don't think that this committee one exists or two communicates with each other at all based on how cautions are called these days so i I wish i could say nascar needs to take a look at it they're not going to that this is their guy for one reason or another um but i think that they desperately need to look for a new race director soon no offense to juice on hamilton i just think that the job is too big for him at the moment and maybe he can come back around in the future all right so I talked about Joe Gibbs and did they, you know, sabotage Cobbush. I honestly don't think they sabotage Cobbush. However, I will put my tinfoil hat on for this one, and I 100% believe that Team Penske manipulated the outcome of this race to ensure Austin Cindric would advance in the playoffs and knock Kyle Busch out of the playoffs. So Austin Cindric, obviously seven laps down, putting around, was, you know, cut a tire down, hit the wall, all those things. Needed to make up some positions to make sure that he could knock Kyle Busch out of the playoffs and he could advance to the next round. Joe Logano cuts down a tire. He taps the wall. Nothing major. Nothing that really, really even caught the eye. Decides to retire the car. Retiring the car gives Austin Cindric another spot. There is another point. Austin Cindric's now in the playoffs. Or advances to the playoffs. I'm not trying to be windhorsed here, but what do all those things mean together? How does this happen? You have teammates, and one helps the other one. 
But NASCAR seems to turn another eye. NASCAR did, to their credit, send an inspector down to take a look at the 22 to make sure that their retirement was justified. They said it was. I don't necessarily know how you determine that, but it is what it is. Joe Logano, though, talking in his post-race, said something interesting. I'm going to let you hear it real quick, and then I'll fall back up. No, uh, I, something was broke uh, in the front suspension. wasn't wasn't too bad. It was bent. The lower control arm was, but uh, the right rear um, toe link is, is what it sounds like. The the bolt and the toe link, and the toe link itself was bent, and, and maybe the mount. I, I'm not 100% sure, but it seemed like a lot of stuff, and it's too much to fix. They said they had to put a whole new right rear suspension on to make it uh, get back out there, and with only you know 25 to go, we weren't gonna make it. So uh, bummer. Yeah, bummer. Uh, amazing how Joey Gano went from saying they said something was broken to knowing exactly what was broken to saying that they needed to put a whole new suspension on the car. It's interesting. Something fishy's going on there. And then listen, this isn't the first time that Penske would be or has been mentioned in terms of manipulating races. Obviously, there's the famous Richmond 2013, which turned out to be a shit show in itself. But... In that race, they talked to Front Row Motorsports about giving them position so that Joey Logano could make it into the playoffs. Listen, for all the good Roger Penske's done, there are a handful of times where you can question if he's manipulated or his teams have manipulated a race. And they'll come out afterwards and be like, oh, no, we haven't even thought about that. We never thought about that. Never crossed our minds. Why would we even do that? We don't race that type of way. Yet they find themselves in these positions every few years, and you're like... You do race this way. This is what you're doing. But no one says anything because it's Roger Penske. If it wasn't Roger Penske, and let's say Trackhouse did this, people would be up in arms. Justin Marks hasn't done enough and hasn't earned enough goodwill in this sport for for him to manipulate a race and have people turn their backs on it. Roger Penske has. So I question, you know, the legitimacy of the 22 cars retirement. And I think that's a fair criticism to have. Does it make me feel better that NASCAR went down and also looked at it because they saw, you know, or thought something might be questionable with it? Does Yeah, of course. But also, we're talking about NASCAR here who is incompetent beyond belief. They at times make ARCA look competent, and they own ARCA, which is a bizarre turn of events when you think about that. So, yeah, I do I think that... Penske parked the 22 to let Cindric get into the or advance into the playoffs. Yes, absolutely. Will anything happen to them because of it? Absolutely not. So it's unfortunate. I think that everyone involved there knew exactly what was going on. I think everybody in the garage area knows exactly what went on with that. And I don't think a single thing will change because of it. But it is a bummer, Joey, that you couldn't go back out there and run in the position that you should have been in and that you know it's unfortunate that your teammate is the one that benefited from your retirement to advance into the next round while Kyle Busch on the outside looking in so yeah um it's unfortunate that we have to talk about this honestly the whole race the whole end of that race kind of left a bad taste in my mouth between what TRD was doing with Kyle what Penske did with Logano there the no-call cautions, NASCAR coming out and trying to cover their own ass, which anytime NASCAR, anytime Mike Forge pops up on Twitter 
trying to defend NASCAR, which again, it's his job. He's paid to do it. I understand that. But the guy is insufferable, and the way he talks down to fans is infuriating. There are a bunch of DARFs out there, for sure, that deserve to be spoken to like they're absolute children, like they are complete mouth breathers who never graduated past the fourth grade. You do need to talk to them like they're absolute idiots majority of the time. There is a large majority of NASCAR fans that are highly educated, that follow this sport on a weekly basis, that know what's going on very in touch with how things are going that don't need to be spoken to like we are children like we're all conspiracy theorists that nascar is nascar has always lied to us the time the day nascar starts telling us the truth i'm concerned because they've always lied to us and i'm fine with that we've all accepted that nascar will lie to us year in and year out week in and week out Race after race, we get lied to about certain things. Fine with it. But don't come out and, you know, basically accost people for questioning the legitimacy of what you're doing. So, uh, hopefully we don't have another incident, like another race like Bristol. Uh, they do need to do something with this car. Whether that is taking the underbody off, taking the diffuser off, I'm not 100% sure. I know that they talked about running the dirt track package on short tracks to try to create, you know, better, better racing. They need to do something. There's too much downforce on these cars. They're going too fast through the center of the corner and there's not enough tire wear. Goodyear desperately needs to make a tire that fucking wears. Year in and year out, we talk about that. They refuse to do it. Well, we're going to listen. You're not jeopardizing the tire by making it softer because you're already seeing a number of blowouts make a tire that falls off let's see what happens Ooh, they won't do it um and we'll be here talking about the same shit this time next year because uh, we're doing the stupid dirt race once again but yeah uh, unfortunate so yeah like i said kyle bush kevin harvick austin dylan tyler reddick all eliminated dylan obviously was the one that we all felt like was going to get eliminated reddick bush and harvick are surprises and it's unfortunate all right moving on to the xfinity race on friday night real quick no gragson three peat three in a row for gragson sixth win of the season uh once again threw up on himself like he was chewing chaw with the sandlot boys disgusting amount of vomit on that guy when he got out of the car uh you know down the bottle of water climb the fence with his team luke lambert getting the crowd hyped up out there rocking his vans it's like the Mike Shanahan of NASCAR crew chiefs right now. Just a uh, just a guy that's, you know, maybe breaking the mold a little bit on what crew chiefs, you know, look like and how they dress. Good for him. Uh, obviously, need the younger influence uh, across all of racing. But Gragson getting his sixth win of the year. He's now the winningest driver in the Xfinity Series this season. More than Ty Gibbs, who he, <laughs> Pat McAfee punted into the uh outside wall collected sheldon creed in the process knocked both of them out of the race and uh yeah i don't know if necessarily wrecking ty gibbs is a loose cannon and if you're now starting the playoffs next week at texas having an enemy in ty gibbs isn't great because he's got god on his side and when he wrecks noah he's gonna say you know god wanted me to do this which he got out of the car on Friday night and said, if God wanted us to win the race, we would have, which leads me to believe that God wanted Noah to wreck Ty Gibbs. This comes a couple weeks after 
Austin Dillon and his family said that God gave them the lead at Daytona by wrecking literally the entire field, which makes me wonder if God just really likes wrecking race cars. Because if he does, I hope he's finding ways for people to make money. Because he's costing people a lot of money right now. If he could knock that off, that'd be great. Ty Gibbs, um, if I'm Noah, I just don't, I just don't do that until it absolutely needs to be done. You know, and if that's Phoenix, when you got to move him at Phoenix, then so be it. But yeah, you're just setting yourself up to get caught up in this kid's mess again. Um, obviously, they have Martinsville coming up. Ty has a history at Martinsville of earlier this year fucking haven't thrown a hissy fit because he doesn't win um it'll be interesting to see how he races Gregson and how no races him because the no Gregson don't give a fuck tour has not stopped for anybody this year and it doesn't seem like it's slowing down anytime soon brandon jones came home second he could have got if he he could have not 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 could he have he definitely could have put a bumper to noah if he wanted to he chose not to people speculated that you know because he's taking over that nine car next year at JRM that he didn't do that after the race he said no basically he just said I don't race like that which is fair uh we need more of that clean racing and really the only they're both running the high lanes so the, the only thing he really could have done was kind of hit him center corner and then try to diamond off and drive off underneath him would have been pretty hard to do Gragson basically got gifted the win by Justin Allgaier who pitted for tires and then got caught speeding on pit road. He led 148 out of 300 laps. Allgaier, that is. He came home ninth. Unfortunate um, finish for him. Definitely should have had the win. Austin Hill finishes third. Sam Mayer fourth. Really good run for Sam Mayer. Riley Herbst in fifth. AJ Allmendinger sixth. Josh Berry in seventh. Stefan Parsons. Huge run for Stefan Parsons. P7. Believe that's his first top 10. I know that's the first top 10 for Alpha Prime. I think, and Tommy Joe Martins. Let me just make sure. Yeah, that's Stephen Parsons' first top 10 of his NASCAR career uh, when you look back at it. So really good run run for him. Justin Allgaier at ninth, like I said. Ryan Sieg in 10th. He advances into the playoffs. It was between him, Landon Castle, and Sheldon Creed for that spot. Landon had an unfortunate outcome to his race where i believe the hub got burned up i'm not 100 sure but they repaired it and got him back out on track and he finished 35th which is not great but he got four points for for his finish um yeah just a bummer all around because that's a car that should be in the playoffs they don't necessarily have championship speed but Ryan C got in two of the two of the underdogs into the playoffs. You have um, Ryan Sieg, obviously, and you also have Jeremy Clements, who, after his appeals overturned, got put back into the playoffs. So those guys are in. AJ Allmendinger won the regular season championship. Justin Allgaier second. Noah Gragson third or third. Ty Gibbs fourth. Josh Berry fifth. Austin Hill sixth. Brandon Jones seventh. Sam Mayer, Riley Herbst, Daniel Hemrick, Ryan Sieg, and Jeremy Clements are your 12 playoff drivers for the Xfinity Series who start their playoffs this Saturday at Texas Motor Speedway, which will only host one race next year. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. 
or whoever you pray to that there's only going to be one of those races next year um anything else from the xfinity race we want to talk about no chris wright was doing his best jesse awuji impression he was putting around the inside of the track like a moving chicane definitely wondering what those were going around the outside of him because they were passing him like he was standing still not really sure why he uh was not parked for not meeting minimum speed because he pays to be there they never seem to want to park those guys all right thursday night truck race at bristol talk this out real quick ty majeski got his first career nascar series victory huge win for that kid um if you follow Ty Majeski's career, you know he's a hell of a late model driver. That kid dominates super late model across the country. He's won literally everything. To see him finally get a NASCAR win on one of the touring series was huge. He ran some races for fin- route Fenway for Roush Fenway back in 2018. Two top tens there, just didn't get it done um and obviously his career kind of fizzled out with them in 2020 he ran select truck series races with nice and by select i mean he ran the first 15 and then he was booted out which seems to be a um common theme with nice got three top tens then had some chances to to win just didn't get it done 2021 he comes back, he's working in the shop at Thor Sport, gets to run four races. In those four races, he gets two top tens. So they decide to bring him back for a full season in 2020. And since doing that, he's got in 20 races so far this season, he has 14 top tens, nine top fives, got a win, and three pulls. Ty Majeski's the real deal, and I think he's finally found a home. So hopefully they can find him sponsorship for next year. I don't think that their lineup's changing uh, for 2023, but uh hell of a drive for him psych that he finally gets a win naturally it comes on a short track but they're heading to a track this weekend at texas where he finished fifth that earlier in the year why texas is on the truck series schedule twice makes absolutely no sense um that should not happen but we'll talk scheduling here in a second overall though truck series race i almost feel like they need to have an xfinity practice before the truck series race as well or don't run the arca race because of their hoosier or general general tire yeah i get i think it's general tire rubber because the the track's just not wide enough it is a sucker race on the bottom and i don't know why a bunch of nascar fans think that bristol's only good when it's a bottom feeder racetrack single lane on the bottom they have everybody has so romanticized like a 20 second clip of a bump and run that happened 20 years ago that they think that that's what bristol is it's bristol baby no bristol is at its best when it's like three lanes what you saw in the xfinity race makes bristol the best run the top run the bottom run the middle dime in the corner make like passes are hard you got to earn them it's races like a dirt track how the fuck was that legal um i'm watching the packers bears game right now but yeah something needs to be done to try to get these guys to widen the track out because it just doesn't widen out in 200 laps and there's not enough laps on the track beforehand to really lay enough rubber anywhere else but time Jeski wins zane smith finishes second parker klugerman another great run for those guys in that 75 truck finishes third Karen infinger fourth matt crafton fifth Derek kraus sixth Stuart freezing seventh 
Christian Eckes, eighth. Chandler Smith in ninth. And Corey Heim rounds out your top ten. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek finishes 12th. Everyone's favorite driver, Haley Deegan, finished 14th. Which apparently, according to Vince Welch, she'll be making an Xfinity start this year, which makes absolutely no sense. But when your name and your sponsors want you to do it, you do it. Uh, Points-wise, this was the first race of their second round. Chandler Smith still leads Zane Smith in second, Stuart Friesen in third, and Ty Majeski locked himself in to Phoenix, which is insane because there's still six weeks to go before Phoenix, and they only have two races before then, which is fucking stupid. Um, the Truck Series schedule needs to really get worked on. So everybody else is battling for those three spots left at Phoenix. Right now, obviously, Chandler Smith, Zane Smith, and Stuart Friesen are those guys. John Hunter Nemechek, Christian Eckes, Grant Emfinger, and Ben Rhodes are on the outside looking in, headed to, well, Phoenix. But their next race is, I believe, Talladega? Let me take a look real quick. Yeah, it is. God dang. October 1st at Talladega is the next truck series race. Bizarre. Um, and then they go to Homestead. That is their cutoff race for the playoffs. They are not going to Martinsville, which is fucking insane. God damn it, is that stupid. Um, and then they are in Phoenix. All right, let's talk, before we get out of here real quick, about the 2023 NASCAR schedule. It came out for all three series at the same time. It is a... Not a doozy by any means. Um, there were some minor changes. Let's get into it real quick with the Cup Series. Obviously, you have the Bush Clash happening February 5th. Um, duels are happening on the 16th of the Thursday before the 500, like always. Um, love to see that. They did not put out when Daytona 500 qualifying is yet. I assume that'll be on the Wednesday night again, but we'll find out. Um, major changes, no real major changes that we didn't already know about. Obviously, North Wilkesboro will be hosting the All-Star Race, Sunday night All-Star Race once again. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think that's a really good move. Tons of infrastructure to do there. Constantly amazed that the number of adults that don't understand how, like, public works projects work. People are like, oh, they can just make a four-lane highway from the track to the highway by May. No, they cannot. Budgets are set. It takes a... It takes more than eight months to plan out a four-lane highway uh, to get you to the highway. So that's not happening. So if you're going in May, just know there's going to be a shit ton of traffic. Um, yeah, so that's good news there. Going back to Gateway again, uh, Sonoma. I hate the setup of going from Charlotte to Gateway to Sonoma to Nashville. That's a lot of miles. Chicago will take over the Road America date for the Cup Series on July 2nd. Uh, everybody strap in for that one. Richmond's second race moves from August to July on the date that was previously the Brickyard date for the road course. That date moves to August 13th, which makes me almost think that that will be the penultimate round of the IndyCar championship. We don't know yet, but IndyCar has talked about how they want to end their season before football season starts. 
and I really, th I really think that that's what they might be doing. Um, we'll see when it gets down to it. Daytona some races the cutoff once again, and the playoff races stay the exact same, which sucks because we would like to see some sort of movement in them. And Phoenix is one of the no, not one of no, it is one of the worst tracks you could have the championship race at. And once again, it has it, and it no one, no one is looking forward to that. I can guarantee you. Um, especially when you have Homestead right there, and it's the middle race of the third round of the playoffs. Um, yeah, it sucks that Texas is still in the playoffs. They have one. Texas has one date next year. Obviously, it has one point paying date this year, and also has the All Star race. Some sweet justice for North Wilkesboro, which was shut down in nineteen ninety after the nineteen ninety six season, and its dates were given to New Hampshire and Texas. It's apropos that they get their date back and it's the all-star race from texas so good for north wilkesboro and all the fine folks there texas can fuck off though wait hang on sorry i didn't mean to just pause like that out of nowhere yeah, so this is really confusing, not confusing, but there's rumors that Texas will be undergoing a reconfiguration and not doing it. That means we're going to have to watch two more races on this track, obviously this upcoming weekend, and they're not going to reconfigure it after that. Obviously, they're not because they haven't announced anything yet. So we're going to go all of next year with it and then maybe do it. I don't know. That doesn't make too much sense to me. And uh, we'll have to see what their reconfiguration is as well. So, yeah, that's the Cup Series play or schedule for next year. It's not very, like, it's not over-the-top inspiring. It just is what it is. The Xfinity Series has 32 races on their schedule next year. Eight of them will be road courses. An insane amount of road courses for the Xfinity Series. Not a huge fan of that, if we're being completely honest. They will be making their first trip to Sonoma because... NASCAR wanted to go back to Portland, and teams were like, we're not going all the way to fucking Portland for one race. It's super expensive. And then to get back, again, super expensive because you want us to go to Nashville the next weekend. So they're pairing Portland with Sonoma. Uh, so the Xfinity Series will be making their first race, first start at Sonoma next year. It will be an infinitely better race than the Cup Series race, for sure. Kind of excited for that. Um, the Xfinity Series will also be racing at, Na or at uh, the Chicago Road Course which was supposed to be an EMSA support race before the cup race on Saturday will now be the Xfinity series because they're being used as guinea pigs on the street course. <sighs> yeah, I'm not exactly sure what to expect there. But that's um, four road courses, or three road courses and four races for them. That's just a lot. A lot. They will be going back to Road America, though. The Xfinity series will return to Road America on July 29th while the cups. Cup Series are at Richmond that weekend. Bizarre. That means the fucking trucks are at... Yeah, God damn it. Um, they'll be going there. So that's really the only changes. They're not going to... Bristol will be the start of their championship next year, which is a brilliant move on their part. Uh, not Texas, because there's nothing inspiring about Texas. Nothing about Texas gets you excited for the playoffs. 
and then obviously their championship ends at Phoenix, like everyone else. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series schedule, not race, schedule for a 2023 season, starting to slowly get back to where the Truck Series need to be. Here's the thing. Truck Series don't belong at Coda. Get that off the schedule. It's still on there. Fucking hate it. Um, Bristol Dirt still stinks. But Knoxville Dirt got kicked off the schedule. That's a good move. Uh, The Truck Series will be racing Saturday night at North Wilkesboro before the Cup All-Star Race in May. Love to see that. Uh, racing at Mid Ohio again. I hope that they pair that race. I hope that July eighth race at Mid Ohio is paired with IndyCar because if it's not, that just sucks. The Truck Series alone is not enough to get people of Mid Ohio to come out to watch the Truck Series on a fucking road course. Um, <sighs> Richmond is the cutoff race. Yeah, while Xfinity's in Road America, Richmond's the cutoff race for the Truck Series hate that not a big fan but big fan of irp being the opening round of the playoffs and then they go to milwaukee mile making a return to milwaukee for the first time in over a decade so the truck series needs to be at these tracks these short tracks love to see that happening the truck series does not need to be going to kansas twice absolutely do not need that get kansas off the schedule at least twice we don't need to be going like i said don't need to be going there twice put a rockingham on the schedule put a Another small short track on the schedule. Get the truck series where they need to be. And it's not at mile and a half, for God's sake. Um, oh, one other thing. The fall Xfinity race died so that the Xfinity street race in Chicago could live. Not sure how we feel about that, but I bet team owners are happy because they're going to be saving some money. All right. I'm done talking. This is 50 minutes in. Follow me on social Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at BreakHardBlog, TikTok, at BreakHard. Just cracked 8,000 followers. Let's get to 10,000. Let's do it. Let's just try to go as high as we can. Um, I never read the comments. Every now and then I'll read some comments. Generally don't read them for a good reason. Shit show. You give your opinion on something. Guess what? Everyone's got an opinion on it, um, which sucks. But follow us on there. We have... Formula One back in action this weekend at Singapore under the lights. And then you also have the Xfinity Series on Saturday at Texas and the Cup Series from Texas on Sunday as well. Talk to you guys next week.